Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KTUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point, featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. KDOS AM 1060. It's Wednesday. It's August 23rd. It is the Extra Point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortellaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. If you'd like to chime in, 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take calls around 1115 today. We also have at some strategical point the four-pack of tickets given away for Saturday, August 26th contest as it's time to bear down. The D-backs are hosting the Reds for the U of A night presented by Chase. Fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and co-branded U of A Diamondbacks t-shirt. Visit dbacks.com slash U of A to secure your tickets today. That's Saturday, August 26th with the Diamondbacks hosting the Reds 5, 10 p.m. Uh, but as we I tip- wonder if Kevin Ginkle will throw out the first pitch. He's a U of A guy. Ooh. Um... Oh. They don't want to waste his pitch count, however. I was so going to say, yeah, like, it's a very high-stress situation when you get out to the mound to, to do that. That That's also true. I mean, I've never done that, nor do I want to do that. Even now, I don't think I could physically do that. But if I were physically capable, I'm not sure I would even want to try. <laughs> so like back in back in your heyday, right, because you played softball, yeah. Would you have attempted to go to the actual plate, or would you have gone to the front of the mound? Oh, there's no way I would get off the mound. I mean, come on. Give me a break. At one time, I would have been pretty cocky about it, and let's let's do this. But, you know, with that, my softball and uh, throwing days ended for any kind of uh, effectiveness in 1989 when I just made way too many throws from third base to first base, and my alleged baseball and or softball careers. All right, so then we'll just talk about pre-1990 when you would have thrown a strike and all would have been great. Yeah, absolutely. You know, some of the first basemen I played with over the years was probably be laughing at this because I didn't always throw strikes to first base when I was in my alleged heyday. So. Well, they what they don't hear doesn't hurt them. That's true. I remember one play, I made a game-losing error one night and uh, – yeah, it was a, it was a you know actually it was a really good glove play and then I made a throw, off balance throw and then I I heard it hit the fence before I you know, I knew it was a bad throw then I heard it hit the actual fence uh, in the dugout uh, in front in the dugout in the first baseline so that was not close <laughs> so I still remember that play because it lost the game. <laughs> I don't mean to get us off topic too much here but you mentioned here you remember this this play that impacted the outcome of the game right. And yeah. so I, I feel like, you know, for, for me as well, that the the losses or the things that you personally do, especially me playing an individual sport, there's no one else to look around and say, hey, you messed that up because that's, that's on me. Um, yeah. That those are the things that oh, really absolutely. stick with you more than yeah. the triumphs. <laughs> Okay, well, I'll give you two of these. Uh, I made, I played a lot of games over the years. I only made two game-losing errors ever. One of them was when I was in fifth grade. 
uh, when we had the fifth grade versus sixth grade softball, or I don't even know if it was baseball or softball. I don't remember that part. Uh, game and uh, it was a big. We were the, we were going to beat the we were the fifth graders. We were going to beat the mighty sixth graders, and I made the game losing error then, and that was in like literally like 1967 or 68, and I still remember that like it was five minutes ago. And the other one's the play I just referred to. And I remember those two plays as much as anything that went well. <laughs> so, You're diving deep into you the archives, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I've thought about this over the years more than just the, the, the fact that you just brought this up. I mean, this is this is haunting me forever. So, but uh, I think I'm pretty fortunate, which I don't remember enough, that I only made two game losing errors all those years. But I mean, those are the two that uh, that uh, we walked off because I made a throwing error. It's really just this crazy mental thing that we work our butts off to practice and prepare for the yeah. moments for the triumph, right? We want to succeed. We want to do well. Yet what sticks with us it, more so that haunts us, as you say, is when we, we don't come out on top, uh, when we don't succeed, and it's, yeah. it's a bummer. <laughs> I'm not out there for a recreation activity or participation trophy. I'm out there to win the damn game. Well, speaking of win games, uh, the Buffalo Bills, they're going to try to win some games here. It's the KDOS1060.com poll question here. Uh, the 2023 Bills, are they going to be over or under 10 and a half wins? Bob had a great conversation with Matt Perino, Syracuse.com, talking all things Bills. And if you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. Under 10 and a half wins, though, 63% of the vote. Over 10 and a half wins, sitting at 37%. Now, obviously, uh, the regular season has not been much of an issue for the Bills lately. Uh, they've uh, won the last three AFC East Division championships. Unfortunately for them, uh, they haven't reached the Super Bowl. They lost twice in Kansas City in the playoffs, and then last year they lost at home to Cincinnati. On Twitter, at KDOS AM 1060, rank your level of interest in the 2023 ASU football team. We have a continued tie between high and low at 40.9% of the vote, moderate sitting at 18.2%. Okay, there's some Kool-Aid going on for the high people there, right? Or maybe they're getting high on Kool-Aid. I don't know how that works, but uh yeah uh, i find it really hard to believe that uh it would be uh high would not be my vote but uh we'll get to that vote at the end of the uh at the bottom of the hour here yes we will answer both of those poll questions around 11:30. still time for you to cast your vote uh let's get into a little bit about the arizona cardinals here they have made their voyage to minnesota this week for some joint practices ahead of saturday morning's game which is the final preseason contest head coach jonathan gannon had met the media this week among several of the things that he said here uh those are really two exposures when we go to minnesota that we are treated like a game i I really like the plan. We're going to get a lot of good work against a different scheme of offense, defense, special teams, which is very valuable. Gannon is also on record saying he'd prefer two of the three weeks to be joint practices, but since uh, they had two home games this year, it made it logistically impossible to do that. They're also specific to this season has been plenty of noise surrounding joint practices uh, with fights, scuffles, and even some conversation that joint practices should be limited to just one day. That makes sense. I mean, it's not like this is just, you know, cropped up this year. I mean, there have been 
you know, these joint practices for especially a lot of teams in the Eastern time zone have been going on for a long time. It was the, it was Houston and Washington, right? Like two or three years ago that they like had to get the police to intervene to stop what was going on in the field. Yeah, and who was the what team was it that someone like took a helmet and used it as a as a weapon, like threw it over yeah. his head? So, yeah, which yeah. was totally so this, uncalled this, for. Uh, yeah, I don't remember specifically who that was, but it's not. It's this fascination that this has never happened before in joint practices that the teams have scuffled. Uh, I'm a little amazed at what I've heard the last couple of weeks when you know it's a big news story. Really. It's almost at this point if there's not some kind of confrontation in a joint practice. And, you know, that was a big part of Hard Knocks last night. In fact, that was one of the parts that opened Hard Knocks last night was, you know, the Buccaneers and Tampa Bay's joint practices from last week. Uh, The roster, though, this is going to be a big week for players, uh, not just the Arizona Cardinals, across the NFL because roster cut down date to 53 is going to be August 29th. Yeah, and this is much different than it used to be. I don't, I don't have the dates and when this actually changed, but there used to be two cutdowns during the preseason. There were also four preseason games, I'm sure, factored in here to, uh, to that also. But there was, uh, it seemed like it was like from 90 to like 70 or somewhere in that ballpark. They're going from 90, and not all teams have 90 guys, but yeah, that's the maximum you can have. They're going from 90 to 53, and then there's the uh, there's a I believe it's a couple of day period uh, for waivers and teams to, to, for players to get cut to find new teams and whatever goes on there, some trades possibly, etc. Uh, but uh, this is kind of a the whole new process, and it's just the one cut down week and so forth. I mean, players get cut uh, for a variety of reasons, whether it be some off the field stuff or guys who just aren't any good or in some cases some veterans actually get cut cut because they they're the organizations are trying to you know do them a favor seriously uh to by giving giving them an opportunity to catch on with another team in the next week or so before the official cut down week I'm kind of curious uh, about this and what maybe the collective football-minded sentiment is across the league if they really like just having this one cut-down day. Just from from my perspective, I, I think, you know, one, it gives you the opportunity as the team that has these players to uh, give them every opportunity to excel within what you're trying to do. The tape is going to be there, and then that allows for longer tape for another team to think that someone could potentially fit into what they're trying to do or a position of need so uh i i I guess i'm a fan of just having the one cut down i think that's a good point from the player from the team perspective but i think it it sucks from the player perspective if you're a player that gets cut you have to catch on with the new team now there's a week off also that's a new thing in the last couple years you know there's a bye week basically from the end of the preseason to the start of the regular season but if you're a team that's moving player, uh, moving if you're a player that's moving teams this late in the process, that's going to be really difficult for the player. 
That's a good point there, too, counterpoint. So um, I'm sure it'll be a point of topic here with all those league meetings that the NFL has. Uh, Some other NFL news around the league here. Seahawks rookie wide receiver Jackson Smith Najigba had surgery to repair a broken bone in his wrist. Pete Carroll said three, four weeks. We'll see what happens. We don't know yet. Um, This stinks because, one, I was excited to see him be a part of this offense. Uh, You know, one, I find it to be really intriguing to see how Geno Smith is going to do. We saw this this Geno Smith we've never seen before last year with, you know, nearly 70% completions. He's the star. He gets he gets uh, the contract uh, that he wanted. And then you have DK Metcalf. You have Tyler Lockett. You have um, the, the rookie running back last year, Kenneth Walker. You also drafted Zach Charbonnet. So there's options, weapons for this team to be able to really be very balanced. And so I wouldn't say, like, go crazy with Jackson and Smith and Jigba props or anything like that uh, because, you know, the targets and everything are going to be pretty spread out. But I was kind of excited to just see how this offense was going to be deployed. That's fair. Uh, also, uh, you mentioned Walker. He's been sidelined for a, a chunk of uh, training camp so far. I don't even know if he's played in the preseason game yet because I don't watch the preseason games. Uh, but, you know, the and, and also we have Pete Carroll. I mentioned Dusty Baker in the last hour. He's been, you know, less than accurate in telling the media when guys might come back from injury. And I actually really like Pete Carroll a lot, but I've never, I quit believing anything he said about anybody in an injury years ago. I quit believing anything he said. Yeah. I mean, even in this own statement, right? Three, four weeks, then it kind of trails off. We'll see what happens. We don't know yet. So I would. Well, then, then it's re, then it's reported by Schefter yesterday that he'll be he'll be he'll be back for week one. Okay, well, I guess we'll uh, we'll find out when it happens, right? Yeah. Uh, so, like I said, you got to pick and choose your spots if you've been doing this long enough, uh, as far as assessing injuries and trying to handicap when guys might come back, etc. Uh, yeah, Pete Carroll is uh, yeah number one on the NFL list of guys I just don't pay any attention to whatever he says injury wise. Yeah, and wait till the injury reports of the regular season come out on that Friday afternoon. Even then, I don't think you sometimes get a very good and accurate description description from the teams, but uh, gives you a better shot. Uh, now, I would never compare uh, Pete Carroll to Lou Holtz, who used to, used to flat lie about injuries before games when he was at Notre Dame. Just completely lie and change your you know the game. He, he like the the rocket Ismail thing was. Uh, there's no chance he's going to play. It turns out that they've been planning for two weeks that he was going to be the main guy main guy in their game plan. <laughs> the Colts are letting Jonathan Taylor see what the trade market is like. Uh, this has to be kind of a tricky situation, right? Because Taylor is going to want to trade, but he's also going to want a new deal to come along with whatever team is trading for him. Also, the Colts aren't going to let him go for nothing. They're going to want as much in return as possible here. Uh, Albert Breer was reporting yesterday that executives that he's talked to around the league don't yeah. believe that Taylor would net a first-rounder. Well, and I think there's a lot of other people that seem to believe, you know, just from what I heard yesterday, a combination of ESPN and NFL Network, that you know, in this short period of time, and I think a lot of teams are leery of Taylor because what's exactly wrong with him? What's going on? Is he injured or is he actually just – you know, basically you know, doesn't want to, you know, he wants a new contract before he plays for anybody. Uh, once again, we got a time frame thing going here. 
Uh, so I think a lot of people just seem to think that it's highly, highly unlikely that he's going to get traded before the season starts. And then meanwhile, the other running back that uh, has not yet signed his tender, that's Josh Jacobs with the Raiders. And according to reports, the Raiders have not shown interest in trading Jacobs. So we'll see what happens with that particular situation. That's true. Um, you know, if I were Josh Jacobs and that, that offensive line was in front of me and Jimmy G was my quarterback now, I'd want all kinds of, you know, I'd get every you know, guaranteed buck I could possibly get out of the Raiders. We'll see what I think the biggest thing that I've heard in the last two days from the NFL is that uh, yeah, Chris Jones, I don't know, is it still called Twitter or whatever? He, I think it's X uh, now. He did some kind of you know social media thing that he's willing to continue his holdout until week eight of the regular season. Yes, that's when the that's when the fines start. To me, that and he seems to be very serious about this. Uh, it could be a I'm sure part of it is contract negotiation things, but that to me, uh, yeah, he's a needless to say an impact defender when put in the right place and remember last year he got off to kind of a slow start with the Chiefs because uh, for whatever reason Spags moved him around some and didn't leave him basically as the in the spots that he had been previously but once he was back in that role at the end of last year he was unblockable again right I mean you talk about the slow start uh he still ended up with 15 and a half sacks so he was just a monster once they finally figured it out uh and a lot of people had kind of put him on a, a long shot radar to radar to win defensive player of the year but if you're not competing till week eight that's that's not going to happen that's true so we'll see what happens with that but uh, yeah, it seemed like that people thought he was pretty serious about this so I don't think it was just a – I'm sure part of it is contract negotiation publicly and so forth. But uh, it, that, to me, is by far uh, – other than just a flat injury to somebody, that's the most important thing that I've heard of any player from any team in the last – you know, since the end of last season, quite frankly. Uh, Speaking of injury, the one final update that I have from around the league, Terry McLaurin reportedly has turf toe following Monday's preseason game. Ian Rappaport reporting that there's optimism, though, that he could be available for week one. Yeah, this is once again dueling networks. Depending on whether you believe in ESPN or NFL Network, they seem to be differing on whether he might be available for week one. 602-260-1060, that's the number if you'd like to chime in. We'll talk to you on the other side of the break. We'll also get Hard Knocks reaction, and we'll wrap up the college football hot seat article from Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports. We made it through the warm seats, we made it through the hot seats, and now we have the sizzling seats left to do. So we'll get into Hard Knocks, we'll get into college football, and if you'd like to chime in, 602-260-1060 is the number. It is the extra point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS 1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports download the app, register and follow along with the listener rewards opportunities for you as there's a $100 gift certificate up for grabs courtesy of Superbook Sports more Extra Point is next Bringing you the latest sports topics weekly right here on KDUS AM 1060 with me, the Doug Gottlieb Show, 1 to 3 p.m.
1126 here on KDOS AM 1060. Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today as we typically do. Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Tuesdays are great days for Bob because he gets to settle in and watch Hard Knocks. <laughs> so uh, instant reaction for the Hard Knocks here. So a couple of things that I... Uh, gleaned from the episode yesterday through other reactions here is that Randall Cobb kind of told us all what we've been thinking for quite some time that if Rogers doesn't trust you he's not going to throw you the ball because he doesn't like throwing interceptions and this came after maybe um, I wouldn't say sloppy practice but there were some things that needed to be cleaned up from the receivers. Yeah, I guess. And then the Randall Cobb part yesterday was like five minutes with his wife and children and so forth, which is, you know, a great human interest thing, but not anything that I even wrote in my notes here. So, uh, you know, not, I, I knew that I knew before last night that uh, if uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't touch you as wide receiver, he's not going to throw you the ball. <laughs> so I did know that. Uh, quickly, some stuff that did catch my attention. Uh, the Dalvin Cook uh, signing uh, was addressed for the first time. Obviously, that happened uh, since the end of the last episode. Uh, and, uh, you know, and I, what I didn't realize, though, he was only there for one day. And then he had to fly home for the birth of his child. So I assume he's back. I don't even know if he's back now. But uh, So I only knew he was there for – he wasn't even practicing. He was just done, you know, out there for a day and then went home. Uh, the next day, Brees Hall was activated from the pup list, and that was also not part of last week's episode. And uh, the one thing that stood out there is that his teammates seem to think that he's really fast, <laughs> still really fast. Uh, as far as on the field, Quinton Williams, he seems to be the best player on the field every day, whether it's a practice or a joint practice or whatever. He seems to be the guy, which I kind of knew to some extent. Sauce Gardner, you mentioned those player the the, uh, the scuffles between the teams and these joint practices. He was in the middle of more than one of these. I'm not sure that's the most wise thing for a corner to get involved. He was in, in one of them with a big offensive lineman. Just you know, give it up, dude. Uh, don't get hurt. Uh, meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers and Garrett Wilson. Obviously, there's uh, already at least maybe not obviously, but to me. I've seen you know, a couple of weeks of this now when they featured those two guys. Their timing seems to be excellent. Just as somebody who's watched plenty of training camps in the past, that uh, seems to be something that has come together rather quickly. Uh, also, the, this started with the training camp altercation with the Buccaneers, Robert Sala blurting out F-bombs about his offensive line. Uh, actually, he rarely finishes consecutive sentences I've, missed, uh, I've noticed in the last three weeks. Uh, he really uh, finishes consecutive sentences without at least one F-bomb. So he's got like five kids or whatever, too, and uh, hopefully he leaves that on the field. Uh, the game itself was a complete waste of time. Uh, no starters played for the Jets, not one. Uh, really nothing noteworthy from the game part last night in Hard Knocks. Uh, and also, you know, was that they actually you know, he, they announced, Darasala announced before that game, at least to the players, that Aaron Rodgers and the starters will start this week in the final preseason game because Salah wanted the players to play in MetLife Stadium before they actually play week one of the regular season in MetLife Stadium. Also, there was another one of those Salah psychological speech things 
Um, this one, he was emphasized, uh, not emphasizing not taking the easy way out. That seemed to be the theme. Uh, the rookies, uh, they did. They had a do-over in their little, uh, you know, talent show. Uh, that to me is just a waste of time. I don't care. Didn't care about last week when they bombed, and I didn't care about last night when they apparently did better. Ralph Macchio is that the Karate Kid dude? I think it is from way back when. He was actually at practice. He's a lifeline Jets, lifelong Jets fan, and that was kind of a couple of minutes last night. Also, however. Not that I'm surprised at this, but uh, I was a little, you know, I'm not surprised at all, but they did not mention Aaron Rodgers and State Farm if uh, their partnership is over. That did not make hard knocks last night. Uh, yes, that is the Karate Kid. Uh, and apparently, Breeze Hall was clocked at 21 miles per hour on a slant route. Uh, I did read that. And then also the other thing that kind of caught two more things caught my attention uh, that Rogers has really high praise for Garrett Wilson, calling him really special and quick yeah. and that he gets out of his breaks really quick. And also that he's a really good kid and he cares about it. So uh, there was a lot there for, for Rogers. And then, I, I mean, I'm not surprised, but I am totally surprised that you didn't bring up owner Woody Johnson and how he's out oh, there yeah. sporting yeah. his diamond chain with his yeah. name Woody, according yeah. to TMZ, this chain has 80 carats of emerald and round-cut diamonds. Always good when TMZ gets involved. <laughs> yes, but um, so I can go ahead and pencil you in as that is a gift that you would like to receive. <laughs> Probably hurt my neck. <laughs> can't, yeah. do that, can't do that. My body hurts enough as it is. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, that is uh, Hard Knocks. How many more episodes do they have left? One or two? Two. The last night was the best of the three. I mean, uh, there was less nonsense, even though there was plenty of nonsense. But, uh, yeah, the first week was the introductory stuff, which you usually get. And then last night was more like Hard Knocks to me. And uh, so that was good. And, uh, yeah, next week will be interesting because they're actually to have the game with the starters on the field. Uh, this weekend, I believe it's a Saturday afternoon game, our time against the Giants. So that, that'll be a big deal next week. And then there's, the, of course, the cut down you know, episode, which is always the last episode of the uh, Hard Knocks. Uh, other college topics here that we were discussing in hour number one, hot seat watch by Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports. We discussed the warm seats. We discussed the hot seats. You can go back and listen to hour number one podcasting at KDOS. 1060.com as well as with the KDOS 1060 app, but we're going to wrap it up here with the sizzling seats and we'll start with Neil Brown from West Virginia. There is a new athletic <laughs> director now, uh, Ren Baker, yeah. so uh, most of the time, if it's not going great, a new athletic director would like to hire their own football coach. Five wins in 2022, six wins in 2021, and then things don't really start off easy for them as they're facing Penn State in week one this year. Actually, I believe the new athletic director was in place by the end of last season. And uh, I think everybody kind of assumed that Brown wouldn't be back this year. And I mentioned Horgelson earlier in the last hour. Uh, I thought he did a poor job at West Virginia, and those teams should have always been better. I never understood the fascination of Neil Brown to begin with, and I've seen nothing for him uh, from him to make us think that he should be a coach in the Big 12. 
Ryan Silverfield with Memphis here, three and five in conference play last year, three and five in conference play in 2021. And when you think of, or at least when I think of Memphis here in the last, you know, 10 years, I think of what, you know, Mike Norvell was able to do in Memphis here. And Ryan Silverfield has not continued that success here of late. Yeah, I don't even, if you asked me like five seconds ago who the coach of Memphis is, I don't even, I didn't even know it was him. Former ASU defensive coordinator, current New Mexico head coach Danny Gonzalez is the last one on the sizzling seats list here. Uh, didn't win a conference game last year. It was a 2-10 and ten season, and they won one conference game in 2021, and it was a 3-9 and nine season. And this has been a really bad conference. Uh, you know, the Mountain West Conference still had some pretty good teams at the top, but uh, they've had some really, really bad football the last couple of years, and uh, somebody who, uh, you know, just listening to Gonzalez's comments, and I've met him uh, a couple of years ago, and he was still here. Um, I'm not, I guess, surprised to some extent, disappointed. I thought he would do better there. They want to win games at New Mexico. It's not just, a, unlike the schools we talked about previously, it's not just a basketball school. They they really put a lot of emphasis in their athletic program, and the fact that they're not better yeah, they've gone through a few coaches now, too. But the fact that they're not better, I'm surprised. That's his alma mater, too. Right, it is. Yeah, he was really excited about getting that opportunity. Um, yeah. 602-260-1060, caller number two. You're going to be the winner of today's four-pack of tickets for Saturday, August 26th, Diamondbacks game. It's time to bear down. The D-backs are hosting the Reds for U of A night presented by Chase. Fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and co-branded U of A Diamondbacks t-shirt. Visit dbacks.com slash U of A to secure your tickets. Once again, it's Saturday, August 26th with the Diamondbacks hosting the Reds. 5:10 p.m. pivotal series here with the Diamondbacks currently holding that last NL wild card spot and the Reds sitting a half game back right now. 602-260-1060 is the number. Caller number two. 602-260-1060. It's poll question time on the other side of the break of today's extra point on this Wednesday, August 23rd. Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Congratulations to our winner of the four-pack of Diamondbacks tickets to Saturday, August 26th contest, Bear Down. U of A night presented by Chase Go to dbacks.com slash U of A to secure your tickets. We'll have a couple of more days worth of four packs of tickets here in the extra point. As we typically do in this segment, it is poll question time. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro with you up until noon today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And Bob had a great chat with Matt Perino, Syracuse.com, chatting all things Buffalo Bills. And if you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com, as well as with the KDOS1060 app. So here it is, the 2023 Buffalo Bills over or under 10 and a half wins. Yeah, I think I, Matt directly answered the question, but he mentioned how, you know, and this is certainly true of the last few years here, that, you know, the Bills have uh, figured out a way to win a lot of regular season games. Uh, like a month ago, I would have, uh, you know, been con- seriously considering betting this under, 
Uh, now, just for the purpose to answer the question, I'm still going to take it under, but I'm not impressed with the. I'm not nearly as impressed with the rest of this division right now, specifically Buffalo, the Jets, and Miami, as I was before training camp slash preseason began this period of time. So now I'm not going to bet it under, but once again, for the purpose of the question, I still think uh, it's most likely to go under. They have a very interesting schedule, as I mentioned during the sports. Um, you know, the first nine weeks, there's certainly obviously some difficult t- teams in there, etc. But, you know, th- they need to get off to a good start. And Von Miller may start the season on the pup list, which means he'd have to miss, I believe it's four games minimum. Uh, to start the season, if you start the season on the pup list, uh, they need, I think, a good start to the season because their last, the last eight weeks of the season for them are the Jets at home, at Buffalo, a bye, at Kansas City, home against Dallas, at the Chargers, home against New England, and at Miami. So you better win some games early. You are correct there about the first four games, uh, and those first four games are week one at the Jets, week two versus the Raiders, week three at the Commanders, which maybe is a little bit more sneaky challenging than maybe we are giving some credit for earlier, uh, or myself giving credit for. Week four versus the Dolphins here, and then as you pointed out there, the schedule uh, from week 12 on, and then week 13 is their bye. That's a little late in the whole process there of some things transpire earlier on in the year. Uh, So for me, I I think here that there's question marks about Stefan Diggs and his happiness here and how is that going to infiltrate the team? Is it going to impact any dynamics? Is it going to fester to a point that he demands, you know, a trade at the trade deadline or or anything like that? So I'm just kind of curious how uh, the relations are between all of that. In addition to that, on the offensive side of the ball, the question marks continue with the offensive line they've made an investment in uh, bringing in Damian Harris the running back position they have James Cook there at running back so the questions are is the run game going to be able to help Josh Allen because he was taking on such a load of being basically their their running back as well as the quarterback there that he was the run game for a lot of the season and then of course the elbow injury and things just kind of spiraled downward from there with a lot that was going on emotionally too for the Buffalo Bills. I do think losing Traymond Edmonds on the defensive side of the ball in the middle of the field at the linebacker position is a huge loss and I'm not sure that they've found a solution there at the defensive end of the ball. I'm curious how it's all going to work out too. Philosophy changes uh, or just kind of dynamics with Sean McDermott now being the defensive play caller as well as being the head coach after Leslie Frazier has moved on. So just obviously McDermott has the background on the defensive side, so I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's doing, just, you know, how, how's it all going to work out? Uh, so there's just kind of a lot here that plays into this Buffalo Bills team, and and I, I know that you have the the – sentiment that the Jets offensive line has major question marks here so how good are they going to be Uh, question marks surrounding Mac Jones and the Patriots on the offensive side of the ball and then Miami question marks about them whether they can fix some of the defensive issues as well as the health of Tua so it kind of all comes together and how is this going to play out but it just seems like it's fitting it's setting itself up for a step back 
for the Buffalo Bills. They could still win the division. They could still get over some hurdles in the playoffs, but asking for 11 wins seems like a lot. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I'll add one other quick thing to what you said there. Uh, I'm not even sure Harris is going to make the roster. Uh, There has been some speculation that he's on the bubble for sure. Wow. Uh, the masses here are uh, on the underside at 56% of the vote, over sitting at 44%. So this started off a landslide, and we've we've gotten pretty close here by by show end. On, yeah. On Twitter, at KDUSAM1060, rank your level of interest in the 2023 ASU football team. Options are high, moderate, or low. Uh, this comes on the heels of Jaden Rashada being named the starter for the ASU opener versus Southern Utah, beat out Trenton Borgay. We saw him last year with the Sun Devils and beat out Drew Pine, who uh, did suffer an injured at, injury at Camp T, a hamstring injury. Uh, he is the transfer from Notre Dame. Non-conference schedule includes Oklahoma State coming to town. Home games for ASU include USC. Uh, So you have the last time that they'll be in the Pac-12 together. You have Deion Sanders coming to town with Colorado, WSU, Oregon, and the Territorial Cup of U of A here as home games for ASU. Also in general... I think I'm uh, curious to see how Kenny Dillingham is going to address this this year, how his philosophy is going to take hold, the enthusiasm that he's bringing. He obviously wants to be here. He uh, bleeds being a Sun Devil and the process of rebuilding this roster and kind of trying to get the Sun Devils back on track with, you know, a move to a Big 12 next year. There's lots of things that are uh, down the road here. So I'm just curious to see how it kind of all unfolds. But I think limited expectations uh, should be at the forefront. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not uh, expecting much at all. In fact, I think other than Stanford, they could be the worst team in the conference. Uh, As part of my job and so forth, I've been following ASU on a weekly basis since the start of the 2002 season. I do not remember any preseason where I've expected less from ASU football than this year. I think my biggest question is, will they stop anybody? Yeah, last year they were 103rd in the country in total yards, 106th in points allowed. There were 130 teams in uh, FCS in 2022. Uh, ASU, the last five games last year, allowed 34. That was a win against one win Colorado. They allowed 34 to them. 50 to UCLA, 28 to Washington State. That was at Washington State, and there was some bad weather in that game. 31 at uh, home against Oregon State. Then they gave up 38 in the loss to the U of A. I think that this could just be an atrocious defense, and I just don't have any faith in any of these quarterbacks. I haven't seen Rashada. Not everybody thinks he's the greatest quarterback of all time. People that have seen him back in his uh, you know, big, uh, big uh, what do they call that, the, the big 11 high school quarterback thing, he didn't impress everybody there. Uh, so I just think the. I don't know if they're going to win more than a couple of games. Um, you know, Southern Utah is on the schedule, and yeah, I don't even know if they win. I don't even know if they beat Colorado. They were they almost lost to Colorado last year. 
The masses continue with their tie in high and low at 40.9% of the vote, moderate at 18.2%. This is on Twitter at KDUS AM 1060. And the Sun Devils season gets started one week from today as they are hosting Southern Utah. That is one week from today, right? Tomorrow. Yes, tomorrow. Gosh, I'm thinking today's Thursday. It's not. No, it's a good, you know, thinking ahead. Well, that's what we're going to talk about a little bit in the next segment, a little bit about tomorrow. That's true. At least I am. (laughs) We got a lot going on tomorrow. It's going to be a fun day. Got a lot going on today. (laughs) Well, Well, we'll we'll stay here in the present for a minute with wrapping up Wednesday's edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060. We'll do that next. He's Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro. One more segment to go here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. You did not up this Wednesday, August 23rd edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app powered by Superbook Sports. Bob, it's thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, Buffalo Bills preview, Matt Perino, joined us from nyup.com. On Thursday at 9.15, we'll preview the Notre Dame season heading into Saturday's opener uh, against uh, against Navy in Dublin, Ireland. And then at 11.15 tomorrow, we'll also preview the New York Jets as we continue our AFC uh, East previews for the week. Sound day courtesy of CBS, Pac-12 Network, Major League Baseball, NBC, KFLA, and also KDAE. Special thanks uh, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from noon to 1 o'clock, it is Sports Map Radio Network, followed by the Doug Gottlieb Show from 1 to 3, the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster Bierstein from 5 to 6. A couple of NFL notes here. Uh, Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero reporting that the 49ers have named Sam Darnold as their number two quarterback behind Brock Purdy to start the season. So question marks here about the future of Trey Lance. Well, he's going to be on the roster. I mean, they're not going to cut him. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody's going to trade for him. You got to pay him because he's got a high salary, even if it's his rookie contract. So he's going to be their third quarterback. And then with the new rules with the third quarterback on game day, uh, you know, you're going to, it's going to be interesting to see how teams deal with that, actually, too. I think that's maybe something that uh, we haven't ta- – I know I haven't talked about it. I haven't really thought about it too much, and I didn't even, hear, didn't even think about it until I heard it mentioned yesterday. 
on uh, ESPN. So that might affect the way teams construct their rosters because of the you know, the new third quarterback on game day thing, which used to be the case for many years that you had like an emergency quarterback. This guy could come in and play, would be suited up and ready to go and so forth. So I think that's still is, that's what they think they, they brought that part back at least. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, the good news is, um, you know, if you're uh, Sam Darnold, uh, you you Mike uh, excuse me Kyle Shanahan the he, he had a, you know Jimmy Garoppolo get him to the Super Bowl so Sam Darnold Sam Darnold certainly more talented than Jimmy Garoppolo so whatever who knows anything can happen. Uh, also, just a, a note that Nick Bosa, the 49ers, have yet to uh, reach a contract agreement, but by all accounts, uh, still no one panicking in at least publicly. Yeah, well, that's Shanahan there too. He made a big deal about this earlier this week. So, yeah, that's there. So we'll see if he's not playing by opening week. I'm sure the panic set in. The good news about Bosa, uh, sometimes to his detriment, he's a workout machine. So he's not going to show up and look like he just had pizza and beer for the last month. Uh, the Texans, D'Amico Ryans has announced that C.J. Stroud will start again for their third preseason game. Uh, so I would have to think that that's putting him <laughs> in position then to be week one starter. Yeah, I would uh, You start all the entire preseason unless you just you're terrible. And I'm, you know, obviously, hopefully he doesn't get hurt, uh, which is maybe the risk of playing that third preseason game. Uh, Also, we were talking about it that Chris Jones had indicated on social media that he's willing to hold out from the Chiefs until week eight. Uh, If he does that, that would be forfeiting $1.1 million worth of game checks every week if he he were to be convicted in that. But in uh, if you're if you're holding out after week eight, there's some kind of other roster you know, restrictions. Uh, I don't know if that's team or him or whatever, but that week eight seems to be a magical thing. I forgot who it was that held out a couple years ago. and We heard the same uh, threat, I guess, to use uh, maybe an accurate term, maybe not. Asia Wilson dropped 53 points for the Las Vegas Aces yesterday. They beat the Dream 112 to 100. She becomes the third WNBA player in history to score at least 50 points. She was 16 of 23 from the floor and 20 of 21 from the foul line. That'll do it for this edition of Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Have yourselves a fantastic Wednesday. Looking forward to Thursday with the Sports Zone getting us started at 9 a.m.